now here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Great to be back once again on the Dharmic Evolution. We've got a real treat today. If ever you wanted to know anything about the music business, um, and I'm talking about everything and anything, you're going to find out today. Okay, we have this gentleman today who has, is celebrating his company's 30th anniversary this year as an entertainment agent. I should say entertainment super agent. He's uh, licensed with the New Jersey Attorney General. He has a Juris Doctor degree in law, so he's really a doctor with an emphasis on entertainment law, intellectual property, contracts, negotiation, and mediation. He's an author of Artist Development. It's a distinctive guide to the music industry's lost art. He's a post-grad training at Harvard Law School, Cornell University, and Harvard University. His clients have earned 38 gold and platinum records and three Grammy Awards. He's earned numerous Best in the Biz Awards from NARIP as Best Consultant Strategist in the Business. He's a voting member of NARAS, which is the Grammy Awards, for over 25 years. And get this, Better Business has given him an A-plus rating for over 21 consecutive years. Now, this man's in the music business. I don't think anybody gets that for more than a year or two. So this man and his clients have contributed to projects involving the following record companies. A&M, Arista, Atlantic, Capital, Chrysalis, CBS, Columbia, Electra, Epic, EMI, Geffen, Hollywood, Interscope, Island, Def Jam, Lava, MCA, Mercury, Polydor, Polygram, RCA, Universal, Sony, Warner Brothers, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. So those projects have featured artists including Bruce Springsteen, Billy Joel, Dave Matthews, U2, Santana, Joe Cocker, Sting, Bon Jovi, Journey, Hart, Barbara Streisand, Stevie Nicks, and the list is just too long to go on, but it represents over 120 million record sales. This man has also been on every major radio station, newspaper articles, magazines. He's been featured in pretty much everything out there entertainment-wise. And stick around to the end because he's going to offer something to you at no cost that is going to help you skyrocket your career if you choose to take advantage of this offer that Gene's going to make to you singer-songwriters out there. Um, So now it's my privilege and pleasure to introduce to you my friend, the entertainment guru and the founder of Foley Entertainment, Eugene Foley. You better strap up your seatbelts because we're taking a ride today on the Dharmic Evolution. Gene, welcome to Dharmic Evolution. Hi, James. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Good to see you, brother. Um, So we were New Jersey friends a while back, but no longer. We're now uh, separated by quite a few states. How has the transition gone? Exactly. Heading down to Virginia a few years back. And uh, yeah, definitely happy down here. We really, uh, really enjoy enjoy the area. Still miss a lot of stuff about New Jersey, but it was time for a change. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I spent some time down there the last couple of, um, actually the last month, a couple of times. What a beautiful place. Uh, old Virginia. So um, I'm really happy to have you on the Dharmic Evolution. Um, for those of you out there who know um, about what we do here at the Dharmic Evolution, so many singer-songwriters follow this, other musicians, artists, authors, speakers, and thought leaders around the world. And some of the content you people have heard have been artists that Gene has brought to the forefront um, through his good graces and his uh, excellent eye for talent. And you've heard some really amazing people. And we'll continue to hear uh, some more people that are that are forthcoming soon. Um, uh, last week's show, we had uh, Chris Eves and The New Normal on from Syracuse, New York. And that's one of Gene's projects. So, uh, Gene, thank you for bringing uh, Chris and the band to the forefront of everybody's consciousness now with their great music and uh, so many. You are the entertaining guru. You've done so much in your life with your career. So, I mean, how do we start? Why don't we start at the beginning? How did you get the bug to be in the entertainment business? 
um, all those years ago when you first got inspired to go out and help people with their, their careers. How did it all begin with you? Sure, sure. Well, I started in fourth grade go, going for guitar lessons. I was very interested in music. Started going for guitar lessons. Probably by seventh grade, I already started putting together, you know, little neighborhood bands and, you know, playing backyard parties in eighth grade and in high school and, you know, just kind of pursuing the artist end of it. Then it got to the point, you know, we had a few albums out and did a couple of tours throughout New York, New Jersey, New England. And, uh, I think it, we all realized it kind of ran its course. So uh, everyone in the band moved on with, with college or graduate school or whatever. And when I got to law school, I found out quickly that there was a way to take courses in entertainment law and intellectual property and copyright and trademark and, you know, all those sort of things, negotiation. And I was very interested in that. I, and then uh, just trying different internships and talking to a lot of people kind of led me to becoming a you know a licensed entertainment agent uh, in you know almost 30 years ago now and uh i realized i was much better at helping people more than i was going to be the next eddie van halen or whoever was the big guy in my day and uh, i just kind of found my calling that i really was better at helping others and uh just really had a great passion of developing artists get, getting them opportunities guiding their careers and it's, it's been an amazing an amazing run over these decades yeah, you've had um, you you've got some stories too. I imagine with uh, you know the you know the history behind uh, Foley Entertainment and all the things you've seen and all the places you've gone. And uh, for some of you who are um, a follower of music in New Jersey, where uh, Gene and I both hail from originally, um, Gene had put a, a gentleman on named Matt O'Ree a while back. Who he was on this uh, this podcast, and he broke. A song that he did with Bruce Springsteen, which was so cool. That was like a really, really fun show. So, um, so you you tend to take um, the this undiscovered talent and bring it to the forefront, uh, so people can see like what's going on. Because you know what's already known and what's already out there, we already have that, and that's great. But there's a lot of artists out there, such as Matt and many, many others, who are. This incredible talent, as a, as a matter of fact, Matt won, uh, I think it was the Guitar Center um, yes. Guitar Player um, of the Year, or they had like a like a contest. Yeah, for blues, yeah, like the best blues guitar player in America, and, and yeah. Matt won that. Matt's also uh, pl- played as a touring guitarist on Bon Jovi for quite, you know, quite a number of times and gone around the world. So it's amazing anytime you're from New Jersey, if you get involved in a project that has ties to Bon Jovi and, and, and Bruce Springsteen, I mean, that's... You know, they're on the Mount Rushmore of New Jersey with Frank Sinatra, so it's, uh, yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, something about this side of the river. I don't know what it is, but uh, can you tell us like one of the most um, exciting parts of your daily life as far as, you know, you do a lot of different things. You work for labels, you're behind the scenes helping people. Um, you're kind of like, uh, as my friend Dara Brustein would say, uh, a multi-hyphenated um, talent. In other <laughs> words, you don't do one thing. You do a lot of different things. Couldn't you describe uh, the things that you do and the ones that are most exciting for you where you, you really get jacked up when you see the results of your work? Sure, yeah. No two days are ever the same, that's for sure. You know, if we're helping up-and-coming artists, it could be, you know, things like getting them, you know, their, their songs in shape getting their development done, building that initial buzz, if it's radio or press or getting on regional TV talk shows, getting songs into their into movies and TV shows, just finding outlets for people to get their songs from the garage out onto the national stage or in many cases the international stage. That's a big part of the day. And then, uh, you know, then there's the doing the same similar things for well-known artists who they already have the buzz, but you know how it is in this world. You can't be gone for too long. Otherwise, people forget. That's why you still see companies like Walmart, McDonald's and stuff still advertising every single day because as big as they are, you don't want to be forgotten. You want to be on the consciousness of consumers. So because if you're in your garage or you're a Grammy winning artist, we're out there helping you stay in front or get in front if it's a newer person. 
you know, the public and get out there and get favorable press and get, you know, if they're on tour, make sure that there's a buzz being built so people come to the shows. You know, then we also represent a lot of producers and engineers and mixers and session musicians where we're getting them work with major labels and top indies, making sure they're getting opportunities to use their skills to make records or play on records, do tours. So it's uh, never a dull moment, that's for sure. It's always finding opportunities for the people we're working with so they can get out there and, and use their talents to, to advance their career. Gene, do you find that the most successful people that you work with um, are that way because of their work ethic in addition to their talent? Yeah, there's no question. When you look at the gold records, I'm looking around here and Grammy Awards on the walls here. Every one of those people are workaholics, just like I am. They're not just talent who wait for the phone to ring. They work, work, work. And even the well-known people, they work as hard now as when I knew them when they were 20 years old because they don't want to lose it. They got to a certain point. They don't want to go backwards in their career. So they're still hungry and still driven. And that's why they, they are where they are. Yeah. It's something I've stressed on this show so many times that, uh, you know, just having the talent. In, and I always go to, uh, uh, there was a quote that Pitbull, he was on like one of the major like uh, TV stations. And he was really, really hot about three or four years ago. He probably still is. But he says uh, about, you know, just a, as a testament to what I just brought up, he said, you know, music business, 95% business, 5% talent. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, people may say, well, isn't that an overly extreme, you know, ratio of percentage? But, you know, the point he was making was well taken. It was like, look, a lot of people do have talent, but if you're just going to sit there and, and, like you said, and wait for the phone to ring, there's a thousand other people who are talented too, who are who are aggressively pursuing their career and doing all right. the things that, that they need to do, which is show up exactly. on time, just show up, get there, you know, do the right thing, have the work ethic, and and hopefully, if you don't have it instilled in you, take some seminars, work on your weaknesses. I, I'm a big believer in you know you don't work just on your strengths, you work on your weaknesses too, and don't make them weaknesses, you know. Yeah. That's why I spend a lot of my day with people doing consulting where they're exactly what you described. They know they have talent, they're willing to you know, invest in themselves and work hard. But before they take those steps, they want to sit down and talk to a professional and say, hey, before I do this, what should I do? So when I go out on my course, my road, it's, it's you know, every dime I'm spending, every ounce of hard work, it's, it's efficient, it's smart, it's productive. And other people don't do that. They don't read books. They don't talk to professionals. They just kind of hack their way through stuff. Then they look back and say, wow, the last two years, I didn't really get very far. Where maybe a, a, an hour phone conversation with somebody like myself who's in the business might have saved them months and months of, of, of just running around in circles. Right. So you're you're not only um, you know an entertainment agent, you're you're a mentor and, and a coach as well. You, you, you yeah, wear many, yeah, many absolutely. hats because that's really yeah, a strategic right. part of the business is like if you don't know how to do these things – and you have somebody like you on the side there, you know, coaching them. Like you said, it, you know, your time, you can never get it back, you know, because right, time right, is exactly. so valuable, you know. And you know, I'm on the phone all day long making calls, if it's pitch calls or follow-up calls with labels and radio people and journalists and music publishers and festival directors. And I learn from these people. I find out what are they looking for? How do they want to present it? How do they want it to be followed up? What gets them excited? And then I could relay that knowledge to my clients say, hey, you're coming up a little short in this area. Let's fix this before we present to anyone. And I think that's just very, very important because uh, you could be the most talented person in the world if you don't know how to play the chess match that this music business has become. Right. You know, probably not going to get out of the garage, sadly. Yeah. Hey, let's talk a little bit about, um, I want to talk about streaming versus satellite radio versus the old model, which doesn't exist anymore, of you know, it was it was um, records and vinyl, and that was it. And there was a there was a very specific way to to get an artist, groom them through A and R procedures, and then get to the marketplace. Hopefully, after after much investment. Um, but now it's such a it's such a different game. It's such a different. Uh, model the music business can you speak to a little bit about streaming and and i always say streaming as a consumer i love it as an artist i hate it you know <laughs> because uh because yeah. how the how the table is kind of like tilted in the you know it's almost like vegas where the dealer has the 70 percent you know you know upper hand but how does right. it how does it affect you and the way you nurture and help 
artists today and what do you counsel them to do with all of this um all of this uh streaming going on gene sure sure very good question and uh you know back in the day when it was albums and cassettes and cds you know sales were very robust people did very well then there was kind of that you know, around 2000 up until maybe the mid 2000s, where there was a lot of people just, you know, swapping music online illegally, uh, sales of records and physical product went down dramatically. Uh, people were still trying to pioneer of how, you know, how to sell songs digitally. Then before you know it, iTunes and stuff really came along and they kind of mastered what they were doing. And people start to accept that they're not going to you know, go steal a song from some website. They're going to go and support the artist and buy it and pay their dollar and then eventually dollar twenty nine and make the purchase. And it was going along well. Sales were up. Things were going pretty well. It was heading in the right direction trending wise. Then streaming started to get very, very popular over the last two years or so. And now I see clients and artists and other managers and things I talk to, they're, they're concerned because now their artists are making less money once again from their music. Right. Where a fan hears a song on, on a radio station or, or they read about it in a blog, instead of going to buy it for a dollar or a dollar $1.29, they're just going to Spotify or somewhere and just streaming it every time they want to hear the song. So in one hand, it's nice to have the exposure. It's nice to see those numbers rise, but it'd be nice to see some money in the artist's pocket as well. You know, by someone saying, hey, I love your song. I've streamed it 500 times. Maybe I should support you for a dollar and buy the song. So that's my biggest concern is like, you know, is it going to start taking more income away from artists? Because how long can you stay in the game if you're not making money from your art? You know, a lot of venues don't want to pay and a lot of consumers don't want to buy a record. I mean, how do you do it then? You know, it might be okay for someone who's already famous because they don't care if a song is just streamed instead of bought because they're still going to make millions touring. But, you know, for that 1%, what about the other 99% of people that really need an income stream from the sale of physical or digital music? Uh, it's a concern for sure. So so out of all the um, things that we have out there as artists create, it's always the song, it's the music first. So how does an artist today um, create a career that is both um, sustainable, has longevity, and shows them some kind of future. You must be a touring uh, artist, correct? I think to make a really good living, and let's define that as say over fifty thousand dollars a year. Uh, you know, forget about millions and all this. Just just to make an honorable living to pay your bills and stay. You know, in in the music business, if that's where your passion is, touring seems to be the way. Occasionally, you hear a story that somebody gets fortunate and they have a single and it blows up, and you know things happen for them quickly, but. You know, that's almost like the lottery ticket. Yeah, there's a winner every week, but what about the 5 million people who played it and didn't win, you know? Right. I think touring is crucial. And I think you have to look at your career as an artist these days, almost like if you look at a pizza and you have like the eight slices and each slice has to be an income stream. So it might be touring and it might be the biggest slice. And you have, if it's, you know, song licensing, music publishing, sales of physical CDs and merchandise, sales of digital, like each slice, if you're doing a decent amount of business in each one, yeah, if you put it all together, you could make make a, make a living. Um, you have to have that balance. You have to have income coming in from a lot of sources if this is really going to be your full-time job. Right. With you, um, with all the people that you've helped, can you describe like a pivotal moment where you had some artists that you were working with and something happened that, it was kind of like, wow, I, didn't, I can't believe this went the way it went. And it just did something, you know, magnificent for their career. Was there a, was there a certain, uh, certain story that you have about somebody? And you don't have to give a name, but just the event of based on using your expertise and your knowledge and skills as an entertainment agent where you help somebody out and it, it, just, it just catapulted their career. Yes, there's definitely a few people that we were fortunate enough to get them opportunities to be the opening act on a really, really big, hot tour. And they went from playing to, you know, 30 people a night to, you know, 3,000 people a night. And after months of doing that, it got to the point they built such a following that they could go back to those markets and sell out a 500 or seven or 800 seat venue themselves. So you start getting that buzz. Then all of a sudden, you know, the single that's creating this hype starts climbing radio and of course it's over from college success to commercial radio success and now all of a sudden someone's getting thousands of spins a month on the biggest stations 
and all of a sudden the iTunes numbers are going to you know 15,000 songs a month and uh, promoters are calling you and festivals are calling you and saying hey heard great things let's do business and it's interesting how the tables are turned it's usually the artist and their team pounding the phones to get a breadcrumb and when you start seeing people break out to things the roles are reversed and all of a sudden the TV networks are calling, hey, we want to license this song. And ad agencies are calling, hey, we want to put this into this TV commercial. That That's always a good moment when you go from being doing the pursuing to someone coming to you and saying, we want you. That That's always a, it's just nice. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, that must have been really wonderful to watch that process. Um, on the other other side of that, somebody coming in as a neophyte who's been, let's just say, who's been playing for a while and wants to approach uh, this as a life career, uh, what would you counsel them to do first as far as, you know, just they got a bunch of songs, they've been playing for a while, let's say they've been playing for four or five years and they've decided to like really just go ahead and um, and make this their living um, can you give them just a, a quick guideline of saying, I need you to do A, B, and C and do these first? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. For the first thing, and it sounds obvious, but so few people do it, uh, is just having great songs. You know, we, we hear from, you know, depending on the month, it could be 500 to 1,000 or more up-and-coming artists every month who just want to reach out, maybe get a little advice, a little encouragement, see if there's a dialogue to be started, and probably, I don't know, more than 50% of the people, they're just not ready yet to to be marketed. They're ready for us to help them with advice and development maybe, but are they ready for radio? Are they ready to be sent to labels or publishers or, or to get a song in a movie? A lot of them are not, and they're, people are rushing, and, 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 and you can't do that. You have to be able to be honest and say, all right, if my songs are an X genre, I'm going to listen to the most famous people in that style of music because they're my competitors at the end of the day. Can I compete with them? So if you're a pop rock, a, a pop artist, a rock artist, jazz, whatever, listen to the best, both the songwriting, the recording quality. Can you really compare yourself to that? And if they're a 10 and you're a 2, then don't worry about the marketing part. Just work on your craft. Get the best songs you can. Get the best recording that you could afford to do. And then once that is done, then worry about like just the initial buzz building. Get the social media platforms and the website and all those different you know, online things in order. So when you start building a buzz, consumers can quickly find you. Yeah. You know, um, also, I just want to let everybody know that Gene has written this awesome ebook that he's making available to people. Um, and we're going to put the link in the show notes. So you folks, uh, you know, I would highly recommend this. I read it this morning, Gene. Fabulous book. Great job. Um, can you describe, you know, just give people the, the, the cliff notes of, of what's in this book and how it can help them? Sure, sure. In 2005, I released a book called Artist Development, uh, Distinctive Guide to the Music Industry's Lost Art. And it really goes into a lot of the way the music business has evolved and the things that labels and managers and booking agents and, and the media, what they expect from an artist before they'll give you the time of day. And that's really was the nature of the book. And then every time I would press a new batch, I would constantly be updating it because the, that's how rapidly the changes were coming in the industry. And I think this, most artists out there, they really want to do well. They really want to be a professional and, and, and play the, the, the chess matches, I always say. But they don't know how. And they're getting rejection left and right, but no one's telling them why. And right. the frustration of an artist saying, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just tell me. And the industry is not telling them. And being on the phone all day long, I see both sides of it. I talk to artists who are frustrated that they need help. They, they just don't know what to do. Then, I, then they find me, luckily for them. I could at least help them. And then you have the industry people who are always like, oh, I don't get any talent. I need talent. I need this. I need that. So I realized, all right, there's a disconnect here. I need to write a book that explains to the left hand what the right hand wants and vice versa. And it did very well. But then after anything, after 12 years of updating it and marketing it, you know, things run its course. But there were certain chapters that were just so timeless that would really help anyone today or 10 years from today. Those chapters I put into this free ebook. And anyone who reaches out through email, it's a PDF. It's about 13, 14 pages, not too long, but very helpful. I'd be glad to send it for free. And if it just gives them a little advice and helps someone have a better day, I'm happy to do it. 
Yeah, and what I liked about it is is everything you have in there, Gene, is actionable. It's not one of these books that is just like, this is my philosophy and good luck with it. And I hope, you know, it's like you give specific guidelines, like do this and this is what this is how you can manifest a career. Hey, I also yes. wanted to talk about um, major label versus indie. Now, now I, I'm assuming that the major labels and there's, you know, there's very few left around comparatively to like 15 years ago. Um, but the the ones who are around, they seem to have figured out a way to take the present state of things and work with it. And um, can you speak to that as far as an artist who has matured along in, in their career a bit and they're on the precipice of saying, I can, you know, I have an offer here uh, from a major label, but I'm, I'm an indie artist and I'm, you know, I'm just really, really happy being an indie artist. What do you think of that scenario? Um, can you shed some light on that as to, as to what are the advantages and disadvantages? Sure, sure. And there's definitely there's pros and cons to being with a major or an indie. Um, so some of the more obvious ones with the major label, just to get their attention, you're going to have to have a lot more on the table. Right. I know 20 years ago, if I called a connection at a major label and say you were my connection, I said, James, I have this artist that really talents it. I, I know this is the type of music you embrace, and it, you'd be like, "All right, you know, send over a package, give me two weeks follow up." And you either liked it or you didn't. If you liked it, we'd do a showcase or a lunch meeting or something next, and then it would either lead to a contract or they would pay us. So it was pretty cut and dry. Now, when I make those pitches, is a whole litany of questions. Well, how much press have they had, and how much radio, and how many sales, and what's their social media numbers, and all these questions, and they're kind of mm, thinking about it. Then they'll either say, "All right, send me some links, wait a week, follow up." Or if they don't think there's enough buzz, the major would just be like, hey, you know, good luck. Keep building it. Try me back maybe in six months. So they don't want to hear the music sometimes if they don't feel that there's already a big foundation. Where an indie label, they're more of the way labels used to be in, mo in most cases, where they understand you're not going to be on the cover of People magazine, you know, from your mom's basement. Like, they get it. They, they understand. They just want someone who's talented, working hard, has a little bit of a foundation, a little bit of a buzz, where they could come in and they say, hmm, we like this. We put a few dollars into this and some hard work. We might be able to take this somewhere. So the bar is a little lower as far as what they expect out of the artist, uh, you know, as far as what you've accomplished. They still want the talent, but they're not expecting you to be, uh, you know, number one in the country or something. Yeah. So I think that's the thing. You know, with the majors, they're going to have more say because they're going to feel, hey, we're experts. This is a billion-dollar company. We know what we're doing. So you're going to have less artistic control in most cases maybe not so favorable terms as far as percentages, because, you know, you always hear the stories of a lot of major label deals are, are not too artist friendly. Some are, some, most aren't probably. Indies, you know, you're probably going to get paid better, probably less cooks in the kitchen, more artistic freedom. Um, and you have, a, you have a problem with your career with an indie, you're probably going to be able to call the owner of the company. Yeah. You know, major labels, you're not, you might not have that access if you just need someone in power to talk to. And uh, so, you know, pros and cons of everything. Some people are just more happy with an indie label. They want something where there's not as much pressure. There's not as enough of, well, if you don't meet this quota of sales in six months, you're gone. Like some people, are, it's that just sucks the art right out of them if everything's dollars and cents and bean counting, you know. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is just finding the right deal and finding an A&R person that you really know believes in you. They're going to work hard. They're going to push all their colleagues in, in the other departments of a record company every day. The radio people, the press people, the sales people, that A&R person is your lifeline to the company at any size company. So you got to make sure you really connect with that person and the person really, really believes in you and is going to be your advocate inside the label. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of pressure um, to be in that realm where, you know, I remember there was a story about Boz Skaggs a long time ago that he just quit the business because he said, what do you mean? I just, they were yelling at him or something like, you only sold 2 million copies this time. He goes, I sold 2 million. And it wasn't, you know, because he had advanced because of, you know, he had those hit albums in the 80s, which he was, he was phenomenal, you know. And I think I, he just, he walked and he just said, this is nonsense because I felt like, um, or he probably felt like it was, it was, uh, you know, it was hurting his integrity as an artist because all of a sudden it's like just about pushing numbers. And, but thankfully, you know, he's playing again. He came back, but uh, what, what, you know, but there was probably many people like that who got pushed into that. You know, very few can keep 
selling millions and millions and millions of albums. It's just like, and now it doesn't happen anymore like it used to, you know? But, um, you know, it's funny when I've been at a major label meeting one time with a client about 20 years ago, and uh, it's a funny story I still tell. We walked off the elevator, right there in the lobby was a huge, huge, giant poster of them on the wall because they were like the big priority artist. And I remember, you know, a year later when they weren't like the big the big priority anymore, we get off the elevator and there was somebody else's poster there. <laughs> and you just realize that, you know, you were hot for a little while, and then now someone else is selling better than you, and, yeah. and now you're... you're you're not on the wall anymore. I'm sure they still love you and care about you, but it was just one of those little symbolic things saying, oh, we're not on the wall anymore. Yeah. You know? I think that poster was probably changed every week, you know, like yeah, depending on did. who's coming, exactly. you know. But uh, <laughs> hey, let's talk about uh, videos. Now, um, you know, are, having a YouTube channel, having good videos, essential for an artist's career? Yeah, I, I think now it's a total necessity. I mean, it was a time years ago when up-and-coming artists just started getting videos because they were expensive. In the earlier days, I remember when people were paying five to $10,000 for a decent music video, yeah. and the ones who could not afford that simply had no video presence. Now it's to the point where people expect that. It's not just an option anymore. If you're pitching clubs or, or labels or press or radio or anyone, they want to see some video footage. Fans want to see it. People want to share things. So I think now any kind of artist in any style of music, they better have at least at the minimum a, a, a performance video, like a professional video, and then some live things that they could have those links to share with people because the industry and consumers want those. Yeah. Gene, what do you do to chill out? You you work your butt off. I know you're extremely focused in your, in your work. And so what do you do to kind of chill and take time for yourself? What do you like to do for relaxing? My relaxing is, you know, I'm a basketball coach at the high school level for uh, 22 years now. So that's my thing. Like when I'm not in the chair here uh, many, many hours a day, I love getting into the gym and teaching. So it's really what I do all day here is, is helping people teach how to maximize their career, how to be efficient. Well, then I just run down the street and I go teach kids how to play basketball. So it's always the really the element of my day is teaching people. I really enjoy motivating, teaching, inspiring I think it's an incredible gift to be able to do that for people. Um, you know, I remember great teachers I had. I remember great coaches I had 30, 40 years ago. And uh, I, I love making that impact, you know, on people, both in the day job and my little hobby uh, at night and the weekends. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, that that's, you know, so you're still mentoring even in your chill time. You're still teaching, right. mentoring. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, so, <laughs> then, exactly. so then that brings me to the um, what's the most challenging uh, part of helping an artist for you that that they seem to they either don't get or you 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 constantly stress it and it seems like they're they have a tough time with is there, is there something in particular that comes up over and over again about how to counsel somebody and get and really get through to them with their career yeah i'd say that yeah the two areas one would be the songwriting where people Something, and this is not everyone, but you have occasional person where they say they I could see there's the raw talent, but their song writing or their song arrangement or something needs just a little tweak. So they'll take the advice, they'll do it, and then six months later they'll come back with other songs that have gone backwards, back to the old way. And it's like, no, 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 you gotta, you know, you, you know how to arrange a song now. You know what you're doing. Why'd you go backwards? So that gets frustrating sometimes where they just don't like they raise the bar to a certain point and then they just slide back under the bar. And yeah. I think you have to be consistent. You know, I think uh, that's just so crucial. So that's probably the main the main area where they don't stay or, or the work ethic where they work really, really hard. We start getting that buzz interest where labels are interested in labels and they're getting some opportunities. And then they start getting off the gas pedal a little bit. And it's like, no, no, no. It's nice that you're having success, but you have to work harder now to keep that going. Yeah. And uh, so sometimes some people, they get motivated by the success and they do work harder and they're hungrier. Other people get a little taste of success. And they're like, yeah, you know, I could take it easy now. We got all these shows lined up and we're getting press and a new album's blowing up on radio. And they think it's time to take a deep breath when it's not. It's time to keep pounding. Yeah. I think you can, uh, as a writer, I, I don't think you can ever have enough songs. I mean, you just have to keep writing, you know, and just keep writing because each time you do it, you grow more. And, um, right. you know, what I've I've tried to counsel people to is, is you know, the the art of rewriting is just as 
is is important, if not more important, than writing a song. Because you know, when I first started, yes. I was like every other. Hey, I wrote a song and it's done. No, it's not done. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> so so I, always, I always say you have to write like a lot of garbage to get to something good. You, so you have to oh, just yeah. you know, it's a, it's a numbers game. The more at bats you have, you know, the better the better your craft will be. And and songwriting. And, and what's great about songwriting is there's always there will always be a place for you in the music business if you can write great songs. You know, a lot of times in artist careers, you know, sometimes age comes into a factor or maybe someone gets to a certain point in life, they're tired of driving around in a van, making crappy money. And, you know, they're, they're, it's just too much. But, you know, as a songwriter, you could be 80 years old and, and it doesn't matter. If you're still writing hit songs, there's going to be people who will cut your songs who are, you know, who are touring current artists. There's TV and film opportunities, ad agency. I mean, there's so many needs for a song yeah. that if you could write one, you could be in this business up until you choose to retire. Yeah. Where an artist's career, most cases, you know, that's going to have a shelf life at some point, either because fans just lose interest or the person just had enough. I mean, not everyone wants to be 60 and still driving around in a van, right. you know, making $500 a week playing dive bars. I mean, some people don't want to do that at 30. Yeah. But if you write songs, you could sit at home and have somebody who has the connection, lawyer, agent, song plugger, publisher, who's ever on your team, pounding the pavement for you. You just keep writing and demoing. And you still make a really, really nice living. Yeah. Tell us about um, your take on the uh, TV marathons that have happened here with uh, The Voice, American Idol. It's like, um, you know, the game really changed when American Idol came out. What was it? It's got to be like five years ago. Maybe it's even more than that. But um, it kind of put a different spin on the business. So how has that impacted, you know, either positive or negative, the music business in, in general? Because... There's now certainly more awareness. I mean, I've, I I hear about people from all ages watching these. Even the elderly are sitting there. They they, they love you know these these shows. You know. Yes. So how yes. has that had a trickle down effect? And the reason I asked this, I remember there was a saying in the '80s of the best thing for a label is to have a hit song. The second best thing for the, the business is for another label to have a hit song because, you know, yes. like the Michael Jackson thing was a perfect example. It drove more and more um, sales just in general because of the success he was having with um, Thriller. So how right. is these how is how these TV shows, how have they impacted the the music industry like in general? Yeah, well, I tell you, like, American Idol has been on over 10 years now and, and some of the newer ones. I think it's fantastic what they do. Because, you know, there's there's a lot of things pulling on consumers for their time and their entertainment dollar. You know, you yeah. have movies and TV and Internet and and Netflix and Hulu and, you know, you name it. There's just so many things that someone could spend their time and their money on when they want entertainment. And for a while, their music was the go-to thing. Then, you know, we saw, you know, in the early 2000s that music was starting to slide and other things were, were getting very popular and taking away some of that market share. Um then those shows came along and they got music to be popular again. They got consumers at work the next morning talking about, oh, Kelly Clarkson did this and Carrie Underwood and, and oh, this guy and that guy and Daughtry. And it got America excited again about music, which, like you said, it trickled down to helping everybody. It got that. It was back to being the water cooler subject in offices across America. And the next day in school, people talking work. I think it was great. And it really did give a shot to the, in the arm to the music business when it really needed it. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, uh, I remember, I think Cle Carol, Kelly Clarkson, I think she was the very first winner, yes. I think, if I remember yes, right. Yes, she was. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then Over Daughtry, you know, Daughtry writes, hey, writes great song, good singer. I mean, I, I really like his music a lot. And I got turned on to Danny Gokey, and I think he was on oh, one man. of these. And, and um, I didn't see him perform, but I think he came from either The Voice or American Idol, but killer singer. I mean, really, really Yeah, he's good. awesome. Yeah, so so you're right. It has brought a, a wealth of of talent to the to the table that we might not have ever you know ever known about. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you have a favorite genre? Because you you work with a lot of different people in a lot of different genres, um, Gene. What's what's like your favorite like spot for music as far as what you like personally? Is there is there a, is there a certain yeah. type? Uh, you know, it's definitely, uh, if I had to pick, it'd probably like pop and rock are probably my most favorite styles of music, you know, outside right. of the nine to five. Yeah. But I, 
I'm one of those people where one minute I could be listening to Metallica and the next minute it could be Stevie Wonder and the next minute it could be R.E.M., then Van Halen and then, you know, Tupac. You know, it, it, it's all over the place. I had a few of my cousins years ago back when those iPod touches were popular with music. And I had cousins like, you know, would look through, oh, who do you have? You're the music guy. And they'd look through and say, wow, this place is all over the place. Like most people, they like country, 80, 90 percent of their songs are country or whatever. I like everything. And I really try to stay up on those things because it's my business to know who's hot, who's not, what's trending, what's not. So I could, you know, help help clients during the day. But yeah, pop and rock would be probably the favorite stuff that I do. You know, country now and then. I like jazz and blues. Those are styles that I, I enjoy as well. And, and then even when my children were little, even children's music, there's some incredible children's music out there yeah. these days that has tremendous lyrics, tremendous, you know, musicianship and vocals. And... Uh, so there's a lot. There's a lot of great music being created these days. I think now that recording costs have gone down. I mean, when I was in bands in the mid '80s, I, you know, a studio was three hundred dollars an hour. So you really yeah. have to save a lot of money to yeah. go in and record. Now with home recording abilities and fifty dollars an hour Pro Tool studios, it's helping artists and songwriters get their songs down and make really nice recordings. And, and I think it's just it's just a great time to be an artist. I think with the internet now. You could reach fans directly, even if you don't have a label or a manager. You could play songs. You can get press in these popular blogs. You can interact and engage with fans. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a great time to be, you know, an artist right now. I really do. Yeah. You. How many kids you have? Two or three? Two. Yeah. Two. two. Are they interested in music? They were, but they really got bitten by the sports bug. Oh yeah. So yeah. that's right. more, more the other thing. But yeah, but you know, they had guitar lessons for years and. They're pretty musical, but sports seem to be more more of their passion. Yeah, it was going to be one or the other, that's for sure. Hey, yeah, that's because really my whole life has always been. <laughs> my parents knew where to find me when I was a kid. I was either at the basketball court or in the basement in my little home makeshift studio back in the day. Right, my so it was one or the other. It was either basketball or guitar in my hands. Yeah, can you give us like the funniest story or thing that ever happened to you, like in this business, like as far as somebody putting on the wrong clothes and anything like that anything that happened that was wacky yeah yeah there, years ago we read a, a there was a couple of major labels that were very interested in one of our artists so they arranged a showcase so it was in new york and we go and do the showcase and um i'm standing there with all the a and r guys you know gabbing before the show and then the performance begins and during the this one part where there's a, a lengthy guitar solo uh the uh the singer left the stage and just let the musicians kind of get the, the forefront for a little while. And he was so into like the groove of them just jamming and it was just so much in the groove. The solo ended. He should have came back on the stage to restart singing the next verse and he just forgot. And, and the labels are after a while like this and they're looking they're looking like crazy. Where is he? Where is he? And and they just keep playing on and there's no singer. And and the musician and the A and R guys looking at each other like this is weird. Like, all right, how long of a solo are you doing here? This is not nineteen eighty two or something. Yeah. yeah. And then he goes, man, that's a great band, he says to me. I said, that's your band. Get back out there. And he, because he was just so into it, he just kind of got caught up <laughs> in the moment. And he ran back on stage and just picked it right up. And anyone who probably didn't know any better just thought it was just a long, maybe a little too long of a solo. And yeah, right. That was it. But reality, he was just so blown away by his own band, he forgot like he needed to get back out there and finish the song. So yeah. that, was a, that, was a, that was a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll, baby. Hey, I uh, just want to let everybody know that Gene has been kind enough to offer a song evaluation to anybody who is tuned into this program. And can you just share a little bit about that, the, the rules on that, Gene? Sure, absolutely. If anyone would like uh, to get a little free advice and a little feedback, I offer that. Uh, I'm sure you'll put up on the screen my email address. Yes. You know, send me a link to SoundCloud or Reverb Nation or any kind of link to your song, Spotify, anywhere. I'll take a listen. And then I'll write back with a little bit of a like, kind of a report card style document uh, with scores from one to five, five being the highest uh, of the different categories, music, lyrics, melodies, production, just some things to help help people out. No strings attached. I don't build a mailing list. You'll never hear from me again unless you want to stay in touch um, just to help out, just to maybe give someone who's if you're doing it right, at least that's giving you acknowledgement you're on the right track. If I see a little area you could use a little help my pleasure to, to try to point you in the right direction. That's great. It's extremely generous yeah. of you, Gene. Yeah. Thank so you for that. So between the free evaluation yeah. and the ebook, just email me, and, and I'm always glad to hear from people and, and, and just help out. I, I really do enjoy that aspect, uh, and I've been doing that a long, long time 
you know, just giving people advice, no strings attached. You know, I wish someone had done that for me 35 years ago. Maybe it would have been, I'd be on the other side of the desk, but uh, right. now I try to give back. I try to give back. Yeah, so. that's that's awesome. Thank you for that on behalf of uh, everybody listening. And that all that will be in the show notes, so you won't have to worry about uh, where the links are. We'll put it in there for you. Um, Perfect. Just in starting to wrap up, can you just um, give some pearls of wisdom on the the industry as it is and what people should be looking forward to um, as far as their careers, you know, the, the bright spots that are out there that may be overlooked. And, and we talked about a lot of the challenges and the, the difficulties, but, but there's also between social media and all the tools that are out there, there's a lot of opportunity too. So maybe you could just counsel people as we, as we, get ready to wrap up um you know some of the bright spots one of the things that they should be looking to do with their career that is uh in a positive fashion and what do you feel is um is really exciting about being a musician a creator a songwriter in this day and age i think you know that with the internet it really gives everyone a voice like when i was in a band there was no one from italy gonna find a band in new jersey you know, it just wasn't going to happen. Nowadays, someone could be a home-based artist, maybe not even performing that much, but they have a great song, great videos, a nice online presence. People read about them on a blog, you know, 8,000 miles away, and they can go right to iTunes and buy the song. I mean, it's just an incredible opportunity now. There's no label involved. There's no manager. It's just someone read an article, heard a song, loved the video, and now they went and made a purchase. They're now a fan on social media. They're engaging. I think it's just incredible that you could truly be a global artist you know, without the support of anyone. And I think opportunities like trying to find opening slots, like when big artists come through your town at the at the big clubs, the theaters, try to get opening act slots because instead of playing a dive bar for 30 people, if you could play for 2,000 people at a theater, same amount of work, same amount of effort, but you're, you're, you're reaching such a large audience, you know, and at the end of that night, out of 2,000 people, even, even if 100 of them or 200 of them are moved enough by your performance to follow you on social media. Maybe 30 or 40 people buy a CD after the show and you walk out of there with 400 bucks to put back into your career. You know, use that as leverage to get press and radio because they see you're playing with a big act. It's a buzzworthy story. There's just so much you could do now, you know, with TV film placements. College radio is still a great venue, uh, a great vehicle, I should say, to get exposure because college radio is not just the college kids the local high school people, people in their 20s and 30s who are just tired of hearing the same 20 songs on, on commercial radio, they're tuning into com- their college station and their region to hear new music. They want to hear the new artist. So there's a lot of things you could do now that really will connect you to to potential fans. And then when you get them, you got to keep them engaged, keep you know posting things, writing with people, putting up photos, putting in links to your new articles. It, a lot of people who do it, some kind of don't. But the ones who do, uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna see some results after a while if they're really good. Awesome. Really, really great wisdom. Um, thank you for sharing that. And uh, Gene, it was just a pleasure to be with you today on the Dharmic Evolution. Thanks so much for the stories, the great career advice for so many people. And um, all you folks, you can follow Gene. Um, I'll put his links, as I said, in the show notes. So you can please take advantage of you know, letting him look at your work, let him, him listen to your songs and uh, give an evaluation because um, that'll do a world of good for you. So my friend, thank you so much for being a part of the Dharmic Evolution. It was great to have you on the show today, Gene. Oh, thank you for having me. I, I've, I've been a fan of the show for a long time and I appreciate, you know, the different artists that you've helped me with. And now to be on it, it's, it's really nice. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure. I know you do this from your heart. You do it for the right reasons. You've helped so many people. And uh, just to be a part of something positive like this, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And and just keep positive. I want all the artists out there hearing this to stay positive. You're in a business no different than people who write books or actors, actresses. There's a lot of rejection, but you got to be positive. Believe in yourself. Keep working hard. Don't let a couple of no's get you down because the one yes, that's the right yes, could dramatically change your life in one day. So just stay positive. Keep working hard. And uh, I I wish everyone uh, lots of success. And thank you for having me today. Now, if that didn't inspire you, I don't know what will. Eugene Foley, super agent. Great to have him on the show today. Um, Don't forget, pick up his book. He's uh, got a book on Amazon, Artist Development. 
and it will teach you uh, more things than we covered here today. And we will put the link in the show notes for you guys so you can check that out. And you can also download the free ebook, which is the excerpts from that book. And that link will also be in the show notes. So download that one. And how about the free consultation by Gene? Are you going to follow through? This is for people who need to follow through. So are you going to do that? I hope you are. And you can reach Gene at Eugene Foley Music at AOL.com. And it's just like it sounds. It's E-U-G-E-N-E-F-O-L-E-Y music at AOL.com. That will also be in the show notes. So pick it up and follow through on your music career and take advantage of what Gene can do for you. If you have not taken advantage quite yet of the Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page, head over there, post your content, let the world see what you are doing artistically. You got a new song, a new video, you got a new photo shoot, you're playing a gig somewhere you want people to know about, or you just want to support another artist, get on there and show the love, baby. That's what we put it up there for. Um, I think that's a wrap. I had a great time learning a lot about what Gene does. Such a great man. I hope you take advantage of what he offered and follow through. That's a wrap. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, and international talent agent. So until the next time, when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage. <laughs>